this morning. Uh, I kindly found out at 7.30 this morning I had to teach today, so I thought I better get something together real quick. That's okay. We uh, love the opportunity anytime to stand and teach for the Lord and give things that He's given us. And uh, we want you today to, if you got your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in John chapter 15. Uh, if you want to turn your Bibles there, and we want to get right in to our Sunday school hour and, and try to give you what's on our hearts. Hopefully we can give you something that will help you and encourage you and equip you this morning. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time to be in your house, and we thank you, Lord, for the Sunday school hour and what it means to us. God, may we grow in the wisdom and knowledge of your word. May it speak to us today. May we apply it to our hearts. Thank you for those that are here this morning. Bless those that are coming this way. Lord, keep them safe. And bless our men of God, Lord, that's out ministering today. Touch them and help them, Lord, and use them in a mighty way. And we'll love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I wanted this morning to cover um, some things that I'm calling it back to basics. Brother Brian, if you would come and pass these out for me. Um, I'm all about covering basic fundamentals as a Christian and what we need to do to be soul winners for Christ. And I wanted to give this to you this morning. It's just a simple layout of how to lead someone to Christ. And I think as children of God, it's very important, no matter how old we get, that we have a refresher course of how we're to lead someone to the Lord and, and the scriptures that teaches us to do that. And that's what I want to kindly deal with today and hope that, that I can help you with just a little bit. But I want to read some scriptures here out of John chapter 15. Um, I'll be breaking in about the 8th verse this morning. The Bible says, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are his friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I called ye not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doth. But I have called you friend, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go forth or go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. 
And I read that this morning to try to encourage you that we are in the Father and He is in us and His love abides within us. And if we truly have the love of God, we have a love for people. And that's to win them to Christ. Our goal as His disciples is to win people to Christ. If you look again at verse 8, he says, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. So it's his commandment that we bear much fruit. We just don't get saved and don't do anything. We're to grow in the wisdom and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. A portion of the scriptures teaches us to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. We, we don't preach or teach our own convictions, but we teach and preach the word of God. If it says it in, in the word, I'm for it, 100%. And we're to rightly divide that. I've been asked in my Christian walk, why are there so many different churches? Why are there so many different beliefs? Who is right and who is wrong? The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. So we go by the book. It's what he says, not what we say. We have bylaws and covenants and things we go by as a church, and we've taken them from the word of God but it's taken from the, what thus saith the word of God. And, you know, something that you all as a church should be proud of is our deacon board and, and leadership of this church, we sit down and go through our constitution and our bylaws, and we look at those things. And, and we want to make sure that we are right on the mark. We don't want to be veering left or right. We want to know what the Bible says so that we're clear in the perception of who we are. Something I learned when I was in the minister's conference in Lead in South Carolina with 300 pastors in a room. One thing they really talked about a lot was identity and who we are in Christ. You know, Vickers Chapel has an identity. It ain't about Vickers Chapel, but it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. When people talk about Vickers Chapel, it ought to make them think about the Lord. Not about issues or problems or past or present. It ought to make them feel good. You've heard me preach it and say it. You can speak certain people's names, and when you hear their names, it makes you smile because they're just encouraging to you, and they lift your spirit. I want Vickers Chapel to be that way, that when people hear our church name, they're encouraged in the Lord to want to do better for Christ. But the only way that can happen is for us to be good soul winners for Christ, something we've got away from in this day of age, and I think it's because of technology. We've got away from the Good morning, how are you? Going to door to door, remember that? We used to do that when we were younger. And we would soul win, we called it. Sometimes on Tuesday nights, sometimes on Thursday nights, we'd go and knock on people's doors. 
But in this day and time, our technology is the way that it is. We can send messages and reach out to people all across the world at one time now. And we can witness for Christ better now than we ever could. Um, it's, it's not as hard on us physically. And in time, that has made us a little lazy, I think, with technology. Um, I know it has me. I'll be the first to admit it, you know. But I love being able to use my technology to help people and encourage people. But Christ commands us here and he tells us this is how we're going to be his disciple. He wants us to bear much fruit. For as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue, I like that word, continue ye, which means you and me, continue in my love. Here's the condition that he gives if there's conditions. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. He said, even as I have kept my Father's commandments. I like how Christ always puts himself up front and sets the example for you and I to follow. He never gives us an instruction and leaves us without an example. But he is our perfect example, amen, to how we're to win people to Christ. And we see it all through the, the Gospels of how he went teaching and preaching upon the streets and meeting people and touching people. When Jesus passed by, people's lives were never the same. Y'all remember that first time you met the Lord and he passed by your way, you ain't been the same since, have you? It changed your life forever. Now, I remember growing up as a child, my, my grandparents, they went to church, but we didn't know anything about church. I didn't. Ravonda was raised in a Christian home. She knew it her whole life. I was raised in a drunkard's home. We never went to church. We never knew anything. Even though our grandparents went to church, we went with them like once a year. Uh, Mom would make us go. And I was the only reason I went is because they had what they called dinner on the ground. <laughs> and, and I loved it. I knew we was going to eat good. But the denomination they were in, they would preach like seven preachers in one service. And we would get there like at 8 o'clock in the morning, and it would be 3 o'clock in the evening before we got to dinner on the ground. <laughs> I was not looking forward to that. But they would sit right there attentive and listen and worship and enjoyed every bit of it. And, but I didn't know what it was all about. It's once a year and we got to eat good and that's it. All I knew from that time on was a drunkard's life. Never was taught about the love of Jesus and what it meant to follow him. But boy, when he passed by, <laughs> he made a difference in my life. And, he, and when he came in and set up his abode, I found out that I wanted to keep his commandments because I was walking in his love. He, he said in verse 11, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. 
You know, sometimes my joy has got awful low when I follow after the things of the world and not after what he wants for my life. Here he's given us perfect instructions how to stay within his perfect will and be full in our lives and grow in him. And that's the reason I wanted to give you these handouts this morning. If anybody's not got one, I think Brother Brian still has some. He can give you one this morning. But I want to jump right into the, I call it the Romans Road. And talk about soul winning for Christ. Here we see we're his disciples and we're to have his love in our life. So if we have this in our life, we would want to share that with people, right? I ask you this morning, if you knew the cure for cancer, would you not want to go tell somebody that has cancer? I know how to get over that. I know how to get better. And they'd want to know the results. They would want to know how to get better, where to go, and get rid of this cancer out of their life. Well, we got something better than the cure of cancer. We know the Lord Jesus Christ, the gift of eternity gift of eternal life and so I dare to say as we get older as Christians in our walk with him sometimes the devil makes it a little stale because we get complacent with the things of the world and we lose focus on what we're really here to do we're not here to to build up big bank accounts and big fine homes and possessions but we're here to be soul winners for Christ. Can I get an amen? amen? Think over your Christian life. Don't raise your hand. How many people have you led to the Lord in your Christian life? Have you ever led somebody to the Lord? Well, don't beat yourself up if you've not had that opportunity. The Lord may give you one after today. But there's something about that first one that you lead to the Lord. You never forget it. It was like, wow, I got to help lead them to Christ. And now they're, they're walking with the Lord. And, and it's because of something I said that the Lord said through me for them. And there's a great sense of accomplishment and a great joy in that. makes me feel proud that I'm his disciple and I'm doing that for the Lord. But maybe you've not led somebody to the Lord. And every circumstance offers a different situation. And as I give you this list of the Romans Road, there are different ways to present this depending upon the circumstances of the person you're talking to. Now, you could be at work and this person you've been talking to, they've been asking you where you go to church and who you are and, and seem like you're happy all the time. What is it? Why, why are you happy all the time? Well, it's because I'm born again. It's because I have Christ in my life. Well, what does that mean, Christ in your life? Well, I'd love to share that with you if you would give me an opportunity. Yeah, I'd like to know. Number one, you can tell them, say, well, in John 3, 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever, do you know that means you? Me, yeah, you and me, we're whosoever's. The Bible says, would believe in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
Now you've got their attention. They're like, really? Yeah. In Romans 3.23, he said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I didn't think you did any sinning. Well, I do my best not to, but I fail God every day. But the Bible says that we're all sinners. Only difference between me and you, this is what I always say. I've made my mind up and you haven't. That's the only difference. And you've heard me preach it. It's level at the foot of the cross. There's no big eyes or little use. We're all the same in his eyes. We're all his children and he loves each one of us. Well, you seem like a person that just everybody looks to and everybody respects and I'm a nobody. You can say, well, Romans 3.10 tells us as it is written, there's none righteous. No, not one. Even though you think I'm a pretty good old boy, I'm not righteous. Only thing righteous is him living in me. And, and I appreciate your respect. And by walking with Christ and living for him, he'll even make our enemies to be at peace with us. That's what the Bible says. So I want that for my life so people can see that in my life. And by this time, they're saying, well, why, why is all these bad things happening in the world? Why don't God do something about it? You can say, well, in Romans 5, 12, he says, wherefore, as by one man... Sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death was pronounced upon all men, for all have sinned. It was because of the devil. Sin was pronounced upon us. Man's rejection, Adam in the garden, when he rejected God's commandment not to eat of the forbidden fruit. And so death was pronounced upon us, because we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, I try to be a good person. I try to do what's right. You say, well, that is wonderful. I am so glad that you're a good, moral person. But that's not going to do it. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What, what, what do you mean about the wages of sin? It's because of the sin that you're in right now. There's a payday for that. And we're going to pay for our sins. But I've got good news for you. There's a way out. Now when you're talking to somebody who don't know nothing about Christ, don't know nothing about His saving grace, you have got their attention. By this point, they're listening. Well, what, what are you talking about? I'm talking about being born again. The Bible says in Romans 5, 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You can be justified from the sin that you're in right now. Well, my daddy was a preacher. My mommy went to church. My papa would say, that ain't what I'm talking about. You need to be justified. Well, I thought as long as mom and daddy was saved, I'd be okay. No. This is an individual thing between you and him. Well, I, I thought somebody told me one time if, if mom and daddy is saved, I was okay. That's not what the Bible teaches. This is an individual walk with the Lord. 
Someday when you and I stand before God, Brother Brian, you'll stand there for yourself. And I'll stand there for myself. And I'll give an account for the things that I have done and the deeds that I have done. I'll never answer for a thing Brother Brian's ever done. Now I'll answer for the messages I've preached to him, but I'll never answer for a thing he's done because it's an individual thing. We have to be justified individually. Just because we come to church, give our tithes, give our time, worship and be here and things like that, don't make us justified. We're only justified through his blood. Can I get an amen? And that's the truth this morning. So what am I supposed to do? I, I don't feel justified. I, according to what you're saying, I'm doomed forever. Well, I got good news. You're not doomed forever. Here's what you need to do. In Romans 10 and 9, the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou, that means you, shall be saved. No conditions. That's the only one. He said, if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Oh, it couldn't be that simple. It's that simple. That's that simple. Well, I thought somebody said you had to pay money and you had to do this and you had to wear suits and you got to be just right. And uh, Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labored and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. I love that scripture because it kind of covers it all, Christians and sinners, you know. We're all laden sometimes and heavy laden. You know, we need rest in the Lord, especially when we're lost without him. Boy, are we laden then with the sins of the world in our own life. But the good news is for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know, I've seen them come and they come up the aisle grinning from ear to ear chewing bubble gum and with their friends and come down and Somebody helps them whisper a little prayer, and there's no, there's no brokenness, there's no conviction, and they just go back, and they go back the same way they came. You know what that is? That's a mouth confession and not a heart confession. There's a big difference. And I know, Brother Gay, you know you all are working in Thailand, and you see this a lot. It's more than just, just saying, I've been saved. They've got to be conviction. They've got to be brokenheartedness. I want to see people broke in Christ, don't you? I miss seeing that when people come. I've seen them run from the back to the altars, weeping, because they're sorry for who they are. They want a change in it, a broken heart and a contrite spirit. You know, a lot of times people say that real fast together, broken heart, contrite spirit, and some people think that's all one thing. It's not all one thing. You've got to be brokenhearted for the sinner that you are, and the contrite is that you want to be a different person than you are. So when those two things meet and come together, there's the perfect mixture for salvation. 
So if, if they'll heed to that call of God right then, I believe, and you've all heard me preach it, the minute I made my mind up and flinched up off the seat, I believe the Lord saved me right then. Because I believed it right then. Because I was going to, going to God. And I came and I confessed and I, and I stood and told the church what the Lord had done for me. And that's what makes the difference. And then you can tell them it, that's all they are in Romans 10, 13, he said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Bobby, Susie, whoever you are, that's who he's talking about. He's talking about you. Would you like to pray? Well, I sure would. And at that moment, as a disciple of the Lord, you have to discern where they're at spiritually, Okay? You need to be looking for that broken heart and that contrite spirit, okay? They don't understand what's happening, but all of a sudden, they're broken. They're sorry for who they are, and they want a difference in their life. That's when you walk through the door. That's when you take them to Christ, and that's when you show them. You may say here this morning, I can't do it like you're talking about. I, I just can't. I'm not that fluent, you know, in, in giving them what you're telling me. I'll tell you what you do. Here's, here, here's what happened to me. I got called to Lexington, Kentucky to pray with a man that was dying lost without God. I could not quote the Romans Road. I, I, I could read it, but I could not quote it. So I had a four-and-a-half-hour drive to Lexington, Kentucky. This has been 20-some years ago. I got this little piece of paper with it printed off, laid it to the side, and I would be driving, and I'd look over and drive and quote that scripture to myself, quote the next one to myself. I quoted them scriptures for four and a half hours, up, back, and forth, back, and forth, every way I could quote them, until I felt like I was ready. And when I walked into that hospital, it all left me. <laughs> I couldn't hardly tell you what my name was. And I thought, oh, no. But you all have heard me probably tell this story, but when I got into the hospital and I rode the elevator up, and when I stepped off the elevator, I heard a man screaming like he was in the worst pain of his life. And I stopped, and I said, Lord, please don't let that be the man. I looked at the numbers for the room. Sure enough, it's down this way. So I headed down. And the further I went down, the louder the screams got. And the louder they got. Until I walked in the room. Sure enough, it was the man that I was going to see. And I began to weep when the family saw me. They ran to me and rushed me to the side of the bed. Like, do something! You know? I don't know if you've ever been done that way, brother, but that's the way they do preachers a lot of times. Do something! You know, like we got some kind of supernatural touch, you know, to bring people out of these states. But So I rushed over there, and, and I just began to pray. And the man had been in such torment that he had almost bent the hospital bed rails into his chest. He was pulling on him and screaming. He was on fire. I'm on fire, I'm on fire, I'm on fire. And they were rubbing his legs and rubbing his body, trying to help him. 
he was having a a wrestling match with the devil is what it was. A man that had been wealthy, a man that had laughed in the face of God and rejected the love of Jesus Christ. And here he is at the moment of death. And I'm there trying to remember the Romans road and get an opportunity to, to lead him to Christ. But he's out of his mind, screaming. I prayed I know for an hour, solid, not, never stopped while he screamed and hollered and pulled and, and ripped things and done everything he could do. And I stepped back from the bed just praying. His family's sitting around crying their eyes out. I'm trying to figure out what to do. I prayed till I couldn't stand up no more. I sat down beside the bed in that little chair they put by outside the bed, and I knelt down on my, on my knees there, and I said, God, please bring this man to his right mind. If you will, I'll tell him what you've sent me here to tell him. And his screams started getting softer and softer and softer and softer until he stopped. It was as quiet as it is right here, right now. All you could hear was his family weeping around, sitting there. He rolled his head over and looked at me and said, Well, Gary, what are you doing here? I leaped to my feet all of a sudden, and I said, and I named you by name, I said, The Lord has sent me here. And I said, I'm going to tell you right now, his name was Orville. I said, Orville, I have been here for hours praying for you, and you've been screaming you're on fire. And the Lord has sent me here to give you an opportunity. I said, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And all of a sudden, just like that, he started coming out of me. I rattled off every one of these verses without stopping, weeping, telling him that the Lord loved him. Son standing right beside of his bed, him lost his well. Got his son by the hand. And I said, you can pray right now and trust Jesus as your personal Savior. And he'll change your life forever. You, you may never come out of this hospital room again, but I'm going to tell you what, you'll have the Lord that'll go with you. And I thought for a moment that him and his son both would pray and accept Jesus. He looked at his son and he said, Junior, we both need this. He said, I know, Dad, we do. And Orville looked at me and he said, but I just can't right now. I said, Orville, please let me plead with you. And I begged him, and I'm not one to beg people, but I begged him with tears rolling off my chin. I said, please trust God today. You may not live. I said, I didn't think you'd live through this time. I said, but God answered my prayer and let, let you come back to your right mind that I could tell you to trust God. I just can't today. If he'll bring me out of this hospital, I'll live for him. I said, you may never come out of this hospital. You need to trust him now. I just can't. I just can't. And just like that, wham, his mind changed again and right back to screaming and hollering. He's on fire. He screamed for two more days like that. It wouldn't come to his right mind. I prayed and prayed and prayed. Nothing seemed would happen. You say, what do you do in times like that? You give it to God. And you trust God. God is a merciful God. 
And it's once appointed unto man to die, and after this, the judgment. We're not the Savior. We're just the mail carriers. We go deliver the mail, and they're the ones that has to read it. That man didn't die that, that time. He come out of that state and went into a state of not knowing nothing. They brought him home and put him in his bedroom. He sat in a bedroom for two years and stared at a blank wall and didn't know nothing. They would go in and talk to him, and he would look up and answer just a question and then stare back at the wall. Two years like that. And his son told me that one morning, he just come out of it. Looked at his wife, Bernice, and said, we need to go to church. Got up from that state. They went to church. He went straight up and got born again. Why does that happen? That's God's business, not mine. Maybe it was to help me and to show me that I needed to be working and telling people about Christ. And it wasn't about a year later he passed and went on to glory. You know, I, I can't wait to someday and I get to heaven to talk to him about that. And I'd say, I'd like to know what went on for that two years that you stared at that wall. I'm sure he'll have something to say about it. See how God had mercy? We're just the instruments of God's voice that we need to, to be there and help people in those times. Yes, it's hard. Yes, I don't enjoy it. It's, it's a hard thing. But this is what Christ has called us to do, is to be his disciples. And so you may say, that's a lot of stuff to study and to know. It really ain't. If you'll get up every morning and, and get one of these verses and read it and quote it and make it part of your memory, and ask God to engraft that in your heart and plant that seed there. Next thing you know, you'll be just like that. When you need it, it'll be there. Remember the scripture says he, not to give any thought of what you would say or do. That in the time it's needed, he would put it in your mouth. So we're to study to show ourselves approved. And I believe those that are truly born again, if you notice there in Romans 10 and 11, he says, for the scripture saith... Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Those that have truly been saved will tell somebody. I like it when they get born again and they can't wait to go tell somebody. There's the evidence that Christ has moved in. If they're ashamed and don't want to tell somebody and, and, and they're avoiding people, don't want nobody to know, I can say in confidence they've truly not been born again. It'll make such a difference in your life that you'll want to tell somebody what Christ has done for you. And God has mercy beyond what I understand. Just like Orville, God had mercy on him for over two years and gave him that little space of opportunity to be saved. I've prayed with others in the hospital in similar situations and them not come out and die that way. And according to God's word, they're in hell right now. If we die without the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says hell will be our home. That's hard, ain't it? That's hard to tell people. But that's what Christ commands us to do. 
and we tell them in love. We don't tell them in hatred. We don't scream at people and say, you're going to hell. We, we share the love of Christ with them, but we give them the truth and tell them what the truth is. And we try to help them understand what thus saith the word of God, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I want you all to save this Romans road, or this plan of salvation. You need to put it in your Bibles. Let me tell you how I, how I did it. In my Bible, this one right here, I've carried this ever since I've been a young man, and I've had it rebound once already, and it needs it again. But if you were to look at this, just like in John 3, 16, I've got a number one right above that scripture. And right out from that scripture, I've got Romans 3, 23. So I know my next scripture is Romans 3, 23. And when you go to Romans 3.23, right over top of it, I got Romans 3.10. So if I'll follow my scriptures, if I can't remember, I can take my Bible and follow it and, and lead them to Christ, okay? But here's the thing, and I'm going to be finished. When I talk about discerning the Spirit, and you see what people, what kind of shape they're in, they're, they're already brokenhearted, they already have a contrite spirit, they're wanting to be saved. You ain't got to go through all nine, ten scriptures with them, okay? If they're already to that point of ready to be saved, all you got to do is start at Romans 10 and 9. That's all you got to do. A lot of times when people come up here to be saved, and I train my preachers this way and other people that helps in the altars, the best thing you do when somebody's coming and pray, and they're down there, and you get down beside of them, you say, sis, brother, I always call everybody sister or brother. What can I help you pray about? I don't know. They're weeping. I don't know. So the next bold thing you need to say, have you been born again? I don't know. There's the evident thing. Then that's when you go to Romans 10 and 9. Well, listen, Bill. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, he said he'd save you. Do you believe that? Y yeah, yeah, I do. You feel like the Lord wants to save you today? Then you can go right on into it. And you can read them the rest of it or you can quote it by memory or do whatever you want to do. If you don't learn any of this by, by memory, you need to learn Romans 10, 9, 10, and 13. Those are the three you need to know. And that way, if they if are ready to be saved, you can quote those three scriptures to them. They're ready to repent, and you need to look at Bill and say, Now listen, Bill, you said you wanted to be saved, right? Yes, I do. Well, I'm going to pray with you. Now you've got to pray. I can't pray for you. I want you to pray as well, and I'm going to pray with you, okay? All right, let's pray. And by this time, I have already put my arm on, on Bill. And, I, and I'll say something like, Lord, Bill's come to you today, and he wants to be saved. And according to your word, Lord, you told us that if he confessed with his mouth and believed in his heart, he'd be saved. So, Lord, I'm asking you right now that you'd save Bill. Move in and give him the assurance, Lord, that you've moved in his life. Father, thank you for saving Bill. And I, I say amen. I hear him say amen. And I look, I, before we get up, I say, oh, Bill, 
you feel like the Lord saved you. And you see, <laughs> you see them tears dripping off them chins, you know, and stuff. And you know it's happening. And like, yeah, I said, you feel better? I sure do. I said, well, the Bible says if you're truly born again, that you won't be ashamed. So I'd like for you to stand up with me, and I'm going to be right here with you. I want you to tell the church what the Lord done for you. Can you do that? Yeah. I said, all right, let's stand up. And you saw me do it, and I let them tell you what he's done. And that's the confirmation of leading somebody to Christ. And that's how simple it is, guys. It ain't rocket science. It ain't hard. But we as children of God need to prepare ourselves to do that. You may do it on your job tomorrow. You may do it at the restaurant today. Somebody has confidence in you, in you alone. And they'll come to you and want to know how to be born again. So wouldn't that be great to be able to do that? So I hope I've given you something today to help you. And I want you to take this home and study it. Please keep this. And go over it and over it and over it. And let the Holy Spirit show you, okay? Let us pray today. Father, I thank you for this time for Sunday school. I thank you for the time to revisit your word, Lord, and how to win people, Lord, to you. God, help us to be good soldiers and good soul winners for you. Lord, you've called us to be your disciples. In these last moments that we're here, Lord, may we be faithful to your word, faithful to your service, and give you the honor, the praise, and the glory that you deserve. Take this now, Lord, and use it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen.